Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. As per usual, before we begin our time together, I want to take a moment to let you know a bit of what's coming up in our community. This week, we are excited to have Rod Sawatsky with us to open God's Word. And Rod is a part of our Southview Church family, and he's no stranger to preaching here. Rod is a chaplain with Athletes in Action, and he's the chaplain for the Calgary Flames and the Calgary Stampeders. And so we'll be hearing from Rod shortly. But before Rod brings the Word, I want to remind you of our year-end giving challenge. So our goal is to cover our building fund shortfall before our fiscal year end June 30th. While we recognize the church isn't just a building, but the people of God united together in him, our building is a key factor in where and how ministry gets done and an important part of how we serve God here at Southview. For example, last month, Southview hosted a seniors coffee connection in the worship center. It had been a couple of years since our seniors gathered like this, and so we weren't sure what to expect when we planned this event, but it turned out we had over 100 seniors join us for a morning of coffee and snacks, some singing, and a few words from Craig. And it was a great morning together, and so great that we've planned another one for this coming Tuesday. And when I think of the many ways our building gets used, and I think specifically of care ministries, three words come to mind that capture what we're able to do in our facility. Connection, care, and equipping. We have support groups that meet here regularly to provide connection and care to people who are going through common life challenges. We host funerals here to provide care and support for those who are grieving. Meals are made here in our kitchen to provide practical care for those who are going through difficult times. And leaders come together here in this building for equipping so they can continue to provide connection and care to those that they're serving. And these are just a few of the ways our building is being utilized in a ministry like the care ministry. So just a reminder, our goal this month is to raise $325,000 towards our building fund. And we recognize that's a big ask in these challenging times. So we would like you to prayerfully consider how God might be leading you in this. And donations can be made on Realm or through the text code or on the website or dropped in any of the donation boxes here on site. And we thank you for your consideration in this. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint, and you can find a link to our viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast. And if you're new with us here in this digital space, we'd love to hear from you. You can find an online connection card at the bottom of the viewpoint, along with a prayer request form, so that we can support and join you in prayer. And additionally, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. But now today, no matter how you're joining with us, May your hearts be open and expectant because God is here and Jesus invites us to bring all that we are and all that we're currently carrying to him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. Uh, welcome, Southview Alliance, to the online service. Uh, it's a privilege for me to be here. Uh, my name is Rod Swatsky. Uh, I'm a member here and have uh, the opportunity on occasion to get up and bring a bit of the word to you. And I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit's going to guide me this morning and uh, 
yeah, I, I trust we'll enjoy the service, but I also pray that God would challenge you as well as encourage you. And I want to start uh, by praying. I want to invite the Holy Spirit to guide both you, the hearer, but even more importantly, me, the speaker. So let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this time together. Uh, what a privilege that we can meet uh, online, that we can look into your word. Uh, thank you for the Holy Spirit that guides us, that teaches us, that leads us into all truth. So would you do that? Uh, speak through me, Father, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach, teach out of a phrase, and you're going to get that phrase uh, at the very end of a long passage. The, the greatest thing I can do as a pastor is to make sure that we spend time in the Word and that the Holy Spirit has opportunity to use the Word in your life, and then I trust I won't get in His way. But I'm going to read out of Philippians uh, chapter 1. Uh, I'll be reading out of the New International Version, uh, starting at, at verse 12. And I'll give you the phrase and the title of my talk. You'll figure it out. Um, but I'm just going to read. Verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I'll continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always in Christ, sorry, now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better yet by far but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. A couple of verses later, it says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. It's a long passage, probably the best part of this sermon. I, I hope that I enunciated enough that you caught the phrase, but what does it matter? The rest of this time is going to be on that phrase. What does it matter? I think we live in a world that doesn't ask that question near enough, and certainly in the church, foolishly, we get the wrong answer 
or we don't even have the courage to ask the question. Paul had an idea, right? Paul was going to go and he's going to go to Philippi and he's going to help the Christians there. He had, had a planned trip and then he gets thrown in jail. All his plans gone awry. Here he is rotting in jail and all for the sake of Christ. Like, wouldn't God have wanted him to go do this stuff that he had planned? He had it all mapped out. <laughs> but what are our plans really? And, and, and more importantly, what are the things that matter to us? Are they the things that matter to God? Are they really? You know, I'm, I'm going to jump into a number of things. But I'm, I'm convinced that there are really four types of people in this, I, this area in the church. We got people who don't, care about anything. Nothing matters. Not, not excellence, not work, not relationships, and certainly not things of God, not kingdom, not the gospel. When they go, what does it matter? They just put up their hands and go, really nothing matters. I know that that's not of God. Because to him, there are things that matter. In fact, I shouldn't say things. There are relationships that matter. And from that, all kinds of other things that matter. Then there's another group, and I fit into this next group, and that's uh, the guys that care about everything. I'm a reasonably passionate guy, and if you know me, you're probably chuckling right now because you'd say, yeah, he's, he's a little over the top on just about everything. I'm thankful that I'm over the top on stuff like the gospel and helping hurting people and caring for those that are lost and stepping in where I'm needed. Sadly, though, I try and care about everything, and I'm really working at, at, at the, in the last little while, specifically, I, just to confess, you know, I'm playing golf, and I, I, it matters too much how I score, how I shoot, and I'm like, this just doesn't matter. And I've got to ask myself the question, what does it matter every moment? What does it matter what people think? You see, you, you can't care full speed about all the things that God cares about if you spend all your energy caring about the things that don't matter. And that takes me to the third group. And, and that third group, they're the people, when they say, what does it matter? All they chase with passion are the things that the world says matters. And they miss out completely on the joy of a walk with God, the freedom that comes when you're in his will, when you care about the people he cares about. When you pursue the things that his heart is about. They're, they're so busy trying to get another thumbs up on a social media account. They're trying to get a like. They're trying to fit in. They got to get the new clothes, the new car, the new place, the new... And everything matters so much about what people think. And they're in for a shock when their time is done. I, I, I've been to several funerals just recently. I, I was at one this week. Uh, my best friend's father-in-law passed away. And it was a great celebration. He was not a perfect man, but he was a good man. He was a godly man. And he was a guy doing his best, pursuing in his way with his hurts 
the things of God. And I'll tell you something. At that funeral, when the grandkids got up and spoke, when the children got up to speak, when the friends got up, and when people in the back of the church after the funeral talked, nobody was saying, man, he had the great clothes or he had a great score. Man, did you see that car he drove? (laughs) That stuff doesn't matter. So we that are still here need to start asking that question with a lot more courage. What does it matter? Let's look at this passage. You can hear that question even before it's stated. Paul is headed to do his work, his God-given work, and God allows him to be hijacked and put in jail. Does he get bitter? He goes, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, this thing that's difficult, that that derailed my plans, has actually served to advance the gospel, the centerpiece of Christ, the centerpiece of the journey of knowing God through the gospel, the centerpiece. Paul was all about the gospel. And I think he was bang on because Jesus was all about the gospel. When he came, he was the good news. But the good news had a tough, there's a a tough part of that story, isn't there? God loves us. We're broken. Jesus comes and we sort of glibly say, and, and Jesus died on the cross to Pay the penalty for our sin, and he died, and he, he was buried, and he raised it. We just glibly walk through that the God of the universe, for the sake of you and me, died. Because it mattered that we had a way to be reconciled with God. It mattered. And everything he did, all the other good that he would do, he wouldn't let even the good distract him from what he was called to. And he rose again. And the good news is because of that, he had power. He proved his power over sin and death and gave us the opportunity to spend eternity with him. He was clear on what mattered. And Paul is like that. He goes, I got hijacked, but man, this is actually turning out good. And then people are trying to stir up trouble for him and he can't do anything about it. And there's other sincere people trying to share the gospel, trying to honor him by being more bold. And he's in there and he goes, I don't care why or how the gospel is preached. As long as it's clear. And he goes, what does it matter? We get riled up about stuff that is inconsequential. And then we don't have the heart to care about the things that do matter. I mean, it's interesting. Go back to the Old Testament. And and I will have, I'm sure, read this at one of my other sermons someday, but but I love how God addresses our cry that, hey, things aren't fair. I had a plan. Verse 27 in Isaiah 40. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way 
is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Pardon me for a moment. These, he's saying, you think that you got derailed. Your plans didn't come together. You, you think I forgot or disregarded or you're not valuable? He goes, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding. No one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And nowhere in there does he say, and it'll all be easy. And you make plans and I'll make your plans come to fruition. He goes, no. I have plans for you. He's the sovereign Lord. And we do our best and we try and listen and we try and plan. And that's all good. But God wants to use you for the gospel. He wants to bless you. You're his children. Nowhere in here am I saying that he doesn't love you deeply. He proved that on the cross. That's not even arguable. You have value and he loves you. But Jesus said, you know, <laughs> sorry, I'm saying, I'm, I'm skipping the wrong passage. Uh, Paul said in Romans, when, when there was this discussion and people were frustrated by their role and their gift set and they, you know, they're comparing to other people and why is it so hard? And Paul writes, but who are you? A human being to talk back to God. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? You bet he does. I want you to remember for two reasons this next passage. Starts with the gospel, which is where we want to start. And then there's this piece of work and, and not work to gain salvation and not work to, to somehow be religious enough or to be acceptable by God. It's all taken care of at the gospel. But here's what he thinks of you and what you're here for. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do in Christ Jesus. So, here's the thing. You got to start with the question in every setting of your life. You're putting on your lipstick, you're putting on your hard hat, you're getting in your car, you're going to your kid's hockey game, you're sharing with your neighbor... Or maybe it's like me. Maybe you're sitting at lunch and somebody shares some horrible, tragic death of a parent that he's never talked about in his life. No matter what setting, before you engage with whatever you're doing, should you not say, could you not say, empowered by the Spirit, what does it matter? And maybe you'd not cheer for that person who cut you off quite so loudly. 
Or maybe you wouldn't say the things you say to yourself when things go awry. What does it matter should clarify things if the question is based on what does it matter in God's eyes? And often that question will become who matters in God's eyes? I, I, I have to tell you, I, I live in a world where I engage with people at a deep level. There's a friend of mine, he goes, Rod, you just go to the bunker every time. All he means is that I don't have any surface talk. He's, I just, he said, you meet me and, and soon enough we're down right in my inner heart. I can laugh. I love to golf. I'm, I'm, I, there's lots of things I enjoy. But when I'm clear-minded, I'm not distracted by the things that don't matter. I got to tell you, it's in those moments that you can see people for who God sees them. You can hear His Spirit and you'll know things to say and do. And then you get to choose. You see, if you ask the question, what does it matter? Then you get to choose how you're going to respond because God will speak to you. This doesn't matter. Can you let it go? This really matters. I love that person. I died for that person. Do you have time for that person? Think about it. Jesus queried with what is the greatest commandment? I mean, every time I preach, I probably say this, right? He goes, it's not one, but two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Stop. It's a comma, but just stop. That matters to God. Loving Him. He doesn't need us, but he loves us, and he wants a relationship with us. And so, to love him back matters to God. But then Jesus continued after the common. He said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It matters to God if you love yourself. And I don't mean in some arrogant way. Some, you're better than others. No, we... That's easily debunked. But you better love yourself like God loves you. And if you've blown it and he's forgiven you, forgive yourself. And if he's called you forward and you stumbled in the past, you go, dear God, would you help me step up next time? Sorry, i got to stop again. What does it matter? That really is the question for you. I want you to think deeply about that very question. These things that I have as such a high priority, do they really fit with God's perspective? And maybe these other things that I have been afraid or they're not that important, or I can deal with them later, things like loving your neighbor as yourself. Maybe when you ask the question, what does it matter? 
and he shows you, then you'll choose. You'll choose to be obedient. You'll choose to love. You will choose to respond. We don't do things for acceptance by God. We already have it. We have his love. We do things from acceptance. The God of the universe did everything for us so we can be in relationship with him. What are you going to do with that gift? We're going to go to communion in just a minute. But, you know, I can't, I can't see you. You can see me. You hear me. I, I don't get to dialogue. I wish I could. But I wonder. I wonder if you're willing to hear the question. The next time you want to be selfish. The next time you're fearful. The next time you want to speak poorly about yourself or about someone else. The next time you say no to quiet time with God. When you ask the question, what does it matter? How are you going to respond? I, I beg that God would continue to help me not care so much about stuff that doesn't matter. And for those who know me well, I'm trying to become a golfer. And I got to tell you, my, my deep desire is to get good at golf without caring about a score. Just do my best. And the whole thing of golf is not nearly as important as the lives of the people in your family, in your neighborhood, and the ones that God has you run into, your neighbor, whoever that might be. And so, as we turn to the communion table, I hope you have crackers and juice or wine and crackers or whatever you have at home. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, if you've heard the gospel simply, if you believe that God loves you, if you understand that you were a sinner, broken, separated from God, if you know that Jesus Christ, who is God, died and rose again and paid the penalty for your sin and offers you eternal life, and if you responded, if you have asked him into your life, if you've simply said, Lord Jesus, I need you, please come into my life. Be my Lord, my Savior, guide me, make me the kind of person you want me to be, but I just need you. Even if you just prayed that right now with me online, then as a child of God, you, you get to join in the communion table. And so I'm going to turn over to Matthew 26, 26. One more second, I will in a moment. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. And I just want to take a moment to give thanks. Father, I'm thankful that when Jesus asked the question, what do they matter? That he came and his body was broken and pierced for our sins. That he died for us in our stead. I'm thankful for that. 
Help us remember it well. Amen. Take and eat. This is my body. Kind of awkward, I'm on film and I took too big of a bite. Then he took a cup. And when he'd given thanks, thank you, Jesus, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I'll not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when, they'd hung, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let me pray a blessing on you after I blow my nose one last time. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen.